Welcome to Protecting Your Assets, the show about protecting people, property, and most importantly, protecting your ass. I'm your host, Lucky Luciano, and I'd like you to join me for a fast-paced and often fiery discussion about security issues with my co-host, Brian the Angry Man Claimant. Whether we're piercing the veil of security, talking your duty of care, or raving about the latest technology, we'll share our thoughts on the issues, the trends that are impacting security today and into the future. So grab a coffee and join us for our latest podcast. And don't forget to like and follow us on our sponsor's website, briancleman.com. And now let's talk about protecting your assets. Hello and welcome to Protecting Your Assets. I'm the host, Lucky Luciano Sedoni, with me, Brian, the Angry Man Clayman. Uh, we've been off for a few weeks, busy working <laughs> and getting back to the podcast schedule now. Uh, happy to be back for episode 41. And we're going to be talking about protecting those who protect you, uh, making sure that your guards, the front line or pointy end of the stick, so to speak, uh, have the tools and the equipment and the training to do the job that they're supposed to be doing in a world that's quickly changing. Um, so I think it's going to be a pretty interesting conversation with my good friend, Mr. Clayman. But before we get into that, as usual, I want to hear what's keeping you up at night these days. There's no shortage of, of events over the last few days. So take your uh, pick your poison, so to speak, Brian, and let, let me know what, uh, what the main one is for you. Well, you know, I am sleeping a lot better since I started taking melatonin. So I get to sleep faster, I stay asleep longer. But until I get to sleep, there are things that keep me up. And, you know, one of them recently in the news is the tragic shooting in Buffalo. And all I'll say about that is that I get tired of these politicians coming up and saying uh, thoughts and prayers are with you. I mean, this isn't a very difficult thing to fix. Uh, The U.S. is sort of, I think, in a class of its own of countries in the world with the frequency per 100,000 of these type of incidents. And, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. I think until they get a handle on uh, gun legislation, I'm not saying gun control per se or taking guns away, but, you know, some basic stuff like registering guns, making sure people have permits, doing a background check. This is going to go on and on and on. And, you know, unfortunately, we're better in Canada, but we still have these issues also. But it just seems like every week or two, there's another instance somewhere in the U.S., it's just a tragic uh, waste of life. And I'll just say one more thing. The uh, I was thinking when I saw the president from Buffalo talking about the tragic loss of 10 lives. And I'm going to say something, and I don't mean it the way it sounds, but I'm trying to make a point. That's the first world problem. And what I mean is I wonder what Zelensky would say if he lost just 10 people today in, uh, in uh, the Ukraine. My point is we're so lucky. We have the ability to live in a utopia well, we keep doing it to ourselves, and that's what keeps me up at night and disappoints me. Yeah, the perspective is certainly, and we've talked about perspective in the previous episodes. Uh, you know, that means everything. And yeah, you're in a war zone. Ten people is unfortunately a drop in the bucket, but uh, for us, it is a major issue. Um, and as you were talking there, I, uh, I just, uh, you know, sort of reminded me that one of the things that really ticked me off. You talk about empty gestures um, today. I'm sure you heard that they sentenced the guy who killed the mother and the three children in Ontario uh, last year. Um, You know, he wiped out a family, basically, and it wasn't his first offense, and he wasn't licensed, and he was caught the week before on video driving through a freaking store. This guy's an asshole by all definitions, and, you know, the press is going on about how great the sentence is that we've set a precedent of 17 years. The reality is the guy's going to serve maybe three. 
four, five at most. And that's what really bugs me. It's, it really is an empty gesture. You get this big headline, 17 years uh, sentencing, but in the Canadian system, that translates to five. And that's the problem. We are uh, literally giving these guys a slap on the wrist. They don't care. And when he gets out, he's going to be doing the same thing again. Um, you know, my solution would be a little different than putting him in jail. Um, but it is what it is. And, 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 and it, me, it, to me, it speaks to the whole justice system to how uh, ridiculously, um, uh, you know, I don't know what the word is. It, it's a ridiculous system. The victims are seldom uh, you know, sort, of, sort of brought into the equation. And you heard all kinds of horror stories, uh, you know, last week or the week before they were talking about some of these guys coming up for parole. Mm-hmm. Um, and the victims aren't even allowed to speak. Right. And, and if they are allowed to speak, it has to be in a certain condition that doesn't offend the poor guy who's up for parole, because that might sway the, the board in his favor. It's a joke. And, and then you talk about empty gestures. That's it. Encapsulated. You, you know, to, on that point, what's really frustrating now that you mentioned it is the word accident, because I think the courts look at things like uh, impaired driving or drunk driving as an accident, a terrible accident. You don't want to ruin someone's life. But by definition, an accident is something that's not preventable. Yeah. An accident is being struck by lightning. An accident is being shot by a sniper. There's nothing you could have done. You have a choice with drunk driving. Don't drink. Yeah. If you drink, don't drive. You have a choice. Impair, impairment by drugs. You have a choice. These are not accidents. They're criminal uh, events. I was surprised by the 17 years pleasantly, but I got to tell you, that's an anomaly. And I, uh, I, to your point, 17 years in Canada is not 17 years. And this guy showed... I don't know if he showed remorse or not, but I think his actions speak for themselves. they louder than words. And uh, I just say good riddance. I mean, I don't want, you know, we talked about hearts and uh, prayers that in the States when there's a shooting. I'm tired of hearts and prayers. I'm tired of sorry. If it's my family, my loved one that's dead, they're dead forever. Yeah, and, uh, I'm, tired. I'm tired of Toronto strong, Boston strong. You know what? I want action and I want, uh, you know, convictions. And, and punishment, not friggin' Toronto strong. We're all loving each other and happy to support each other. That wouldn't be, that wouldn't be needed if we took care of these idiots before they caused problems. Yeah, we have to be accountable for our actions, and we have to. Uh, there has to be consequence because without consequence, it's just uh, blowing uh, smoke up in the air. It's there's no substance. All right, so let's get on to the topic of the day and just being cognizant of my time that's coming along. Um, so listen, today we're talking about some terrible tragedies that have happened recently in the news. You started off talking about the Buffalo shooting, um, but we're really looking at the changing environment in which guarding is, is being conducted today. Um, you and I have bounced uh, arguments about, you know, training and equipment and, uh, you know, giving them the, the, the tools to, to do their job appropriately. Lots of times on previous, previous episodes, but I think, you know, with the COVID uh, lockdown over the last two years, it's really set us up for uh, a different sort of awakening as we go back to normal business, whatever that is. I think, you know, in the last few weeks in particular, uh, I've talked with a lot of people about mental, is- uh, mental issues in, uh, in society generally becoming more problematic, um, less social services out there to help those people that are in need. So they're out there wandering around, uh, sort of spiraling out of control, some of them. Um, so that's a problem. And the other, the other side of that is the, uh, is the prevalence of weapons, in particular guns, yes, but um, when we talk about the U.S., more guns. But when we talk about Canada, you know, unless you've been under a rock and a lot of people aren't really into the security industry specifically like we are that, that may listen to the program, but we can tell you, certainly I can tell you, and I know you will agree, that security guarding over the last 
year or two has been has experienced a, a big increase in assaultive behavior, certainly. Um, and they may not be guns, but they're certainly being stabbed, whether it be syringes or knives or whatever you know uh, implement that they they choose to grab. Um, so the violence is there; it's going up. Do we have the guards, or are we taking the right measures to make sure our guards are prepared for that? Is really what we're talking about today. Well, you, you talked about COVID, how it exasperated things, and I would agree entirely. But I think this trend uh, towards uh, uh, the violence that we see, this downward trend, started even before that. I think it's sort of a societal thing. There's a lot of uh, disturbed people out there. There's a lot of people that don't have the filter, that have anger management issues. There's a lot of people that uh, don't have the life skills to deal with tension and things that uh, don't work out the way they want them to. And unfortunately, the victims tend to be innocent people that get in their way or police officers or security officers that are called to deal with the situation. I was just uh, talking about like violence against security officers. I think we all have to worry about that because typically security officers are in the buildings we work in, okay? They're in the big bank towers in downtown Toronto. They were in that shopping center or that grocery store in Buffalo uh, where the uh, terrible uh, uh, shooting took place. And the reality is the violence is touching all of us and the security guards are there to try and keep us safe. Uh, I was talking to a uh, colleague who runs a very big security company in Toronto and he was telling me that they had never had guards seriously assaulted in the years they've operated. And in the last two months, they've had two guards that have been stabbed in the downtown core of Toronto. And I'll tell you, when I was working downtown in charge of a, a real estate portfolio, that just didn't happen. You, you know, we, there's a lot of verbal abuse, but you didn't have this type of physical abuse. So uh, it's a real concern. And I think if we don't really give it thought, if business leaders and employee guards don't give it thought, we're creating a placebo. We'll have security guards, we'll think, we'll think we're safe, but if the guard is smart, he'll stay locked inside his office where he's safe and he won't go out and do the job we need him to do. And if the guard is smarter and they're unfortunate to be victimized, eventually somebody's going to sue somebody and yeah. that'll send the message to everybody else because we're putting these guys in uniform, throwing them on the front line, asking them to engage you know, unwanted behavior or criminal behavior, as we like to say. Um, and then we expect them to do that without having, you know, body armor to me is, is a given in today's environment. I would think that every guard should have body armor if they're out there in uniform. Now, you know, we've talked about the fact that a lot of people don't like it. It's too aggressive. It looks, you know, it doesn't look or fit with the profile of the property. You know what? In my experience, with especially the banks, they love that look. Um, and, and they appreciate the fact that it shows professionalism and competency more than somebody who's in a suit who tends to blend in with everybody else's in a suit in that environment. So I think the tactical look for a guard is, is the way to go. But more importantly, they should have body armor or a vest, whatever you want to call it. And to those who are listening that say they don't like the look, there's a vest that you can put underneath. You know, believe it or not, there are alternatives to just having that hard outside look. Put them in, the, in an under um, a vest that goes underneath the shirt and you won't even know they have it and they're still safe and you're doing what you can to protect those guys. Okay. Here's what worked for a large uh, global financial company and they had a, a very big security program, a lot of security guards and their guards were not uniform. They were wearing suits. They were very nice suits that were the employer gave them. But each one of those guards had underneath their beautiful suit and you would never known it. He had under the shirt body armor. He had handcuffs. 
this is in the states they would have pepper spray and batons my point is that it's not just about you know looking the part if if the looks really are an issue there's it's about uh, giving the guards the protections they need to do their job and it could be tactical or it could be subtle but uh, it's got to be based on need and the need is basically saying that we need to uh, take security seriously physical threats you know case in point i'll just give two the shooting in Buffalo, okay, when you think of security and you think of tactical guards or highly trained guards, you may think of the Eaton Centre, you may think of places like Yorktail or Union Station or at the Toronto Airport, okay, but the Buffalo shooting took place in a grocery store. Yeah. Thought about violence in a grocery store. You and I and a colleague this uh, past week witnessed an assault in a Tim Hortons because yeah. the guy wasn't happy that he didn't get the lettuce in his bagel and he had a hissy fit. So the reality is it's all around us. We can't pretend it's not happening. And if we're gonna spend money on security and protection, we gotta get value for our money. And we gotta give these guys the training and the equipment they need. The reality is, you know, if the guard's getting hurt, he's the filter there that's preventing you from getting hurt. And if we give these guys a chance and show them a bit of respect, give them the tools and the training and the equipment, they're gonna keep us safe. But if we don't, the guard's going to be locked in his office, and I can't fault him. Working alone doesn't have the training or the equipment, and the bad guy's going to go right to the target, be it an office building, a, a restaurant, a, a supermarket. Yeah, and to me, one of the the, the uh, sort of the most insulting um, presumption that I've heard, that I constantly hear from from uh, clients that insist on not giving the guards the proper equipment that they need, is that you know, well, just observe and report, walk away, call the police. That's a pretty good presumption if that happens, and you don't know that. Who's going to guarantee that they can walk away or that they're in a position to call the police, right? In most cases, when somebody's violent and having a bad day, they're not going to let you know until it's right in front of you, and you may not be able to to, to grab that phone and make the phone call. You may not be able to run away. You know, but there's all kinds of factors that are unknowns out there that make the situation dangerous, and that's what really my my point is. You're putting them in that position. Don't handicap them by saying, oh, you can't engage because you've got to protect, uh, you know, my brand. You've got, to, you've got to call the police and just stay away. You don't have, they don't have the luxury of being able to quarterback their moves. They have seconds to react, and we shouldn't be undermining that ability to make the best decision for them. And that includes engaging if they have to, simply to protect themselves, if not other people. Um, and, and just on the topic of body armor, it's not just body armor. You know, they need gloves to deal with pointy pointy objects. They need sharps containers to put things away when, when they finally seize them. They need handcuffs to put these guys under control or whatever it is, depending on your situation. And that's what the assessments are for. You should be doing, you know, we've talked about threat risk assessments of your property, depending on the type of business you run, depending on the type of operation, that dictates the type of risk that you're going to face. And you've got to give the guards the right tools, training and equipment to be able to manage those risks. Yeah, well said. You know, you talk about uh, uh, needles and, and crack pipes and all that type of stuff. I think people, our listeners, some of our listeners would be surprised to hear this isn't just in the projects. It's not just in the hood. I mean, downtown the financial district, one of Toronto is one of the safest cities in North America, okay? When I was down there four or five years ago, we never had to deal with this stuff. Talk with my colleagues that are down there. They're finding needles all the time. They're finding the remnants of of uh, drugs and, and all sorts of other nasty things that are down there. It's just a reality. I think, you know, there's got to be a, light, a process that one engages when they decide about security. 
for their building, for their business, for their company. You start off with what kind of security do I need? Do I need technology, electronic security? Do I need manpower? You know, I would suggest that uh, manpower anchors all the programs. But let's say that you decide we need security guards. You got to ask yourself, what is it that we want these guards to do? If the guard's role is simply to make sure that people sign in and sign out. It's the wife. It's the wife. Uh, sign in and sign out. Okay, the skill set necessary is different than if the guards are going to patrol and, and keep people safe, assets safe, people safe. And once you've identified what the purpose is, you've got to say it's not an exercise about how much money you could spend. The money comes after you determine or establish the need. So if you need security because you're worried about potentially violent activities or criminal activities, you need guards that have the skill set and training to do that type of work and also the equipment because again you know a fireman won't go into a burning building if he doesn't have his bunker suit and you know you know a bank executive is not going to drive um, to the other part of town if he doesn't have his bmw or his car i mean everyone needs tools a plumber needs his tools a carpenter needs his tools a security guard needs his tools in the days of the past where just your uniform that said security was enough it just doesn't uh, make the mark today if you really want to make a difference. And I would suggest to clients that aren't willing to uh, get the right type of security, you're better off having no security than an ineffective security for so many reasons. <laughs> yeah, why well, open the door? Um, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that? Oh, you talked about some of our listeners being surprised that you know, the kinds of things that our guards face from a day-to-day, uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, the types of things that they face. Um, and we all know the homeless guy, the, the, uh, the aggressive, mentally ill person. You know, those are sort of stereotypical and, and um, uh, reflective of the business that they do. But I think, more importantly, uh, I think a lot of people would be surprised at how much of that stuff goes on in those, you know, shiny buildings. And you're talking about prostitution, human trafficking, theft, uh, drug use, and those guys are only different. Is the only difference is they're wearing suits, and so no one suspects them, or they get special treatment. Sometimes they get a free pass, which doesn't make it right. But those same guys could end up in front of your guard that needs to deal with them, and it's a whole different dynamic at that point because now the guard's got to think, well, Mr. Business Suit here is a tenant, a very important tenant potentially, and I've got to deal with what he's doing and in such a way to make to keep my client uh, happy so that that that's a whole uh, that's a whole new sort of dynamic that gets added to to the situation that our guards do deal with regularly it's not it's not uncommon to be dealing with that type of issue you know if you don't keep your car tuned up it's not going to work when you need it to work it's going to break down in an opportune time and same t thing with security guards or security programs it's in your interest. It's in our interest to make sure that we have professional guards, trained guards that are properly equipped, because if they're not there, you as a tenant are exposed and the occupants of the building or the business are exposed. So again, if you're going to make the decision to have a physical security and have security manpower on site, you got to do it right. Otherwise, it's it's for not. It's the same thing. You know, I, I drive, ride a motorcycle. Surprise, surprise. And if you ride a motorcycle and you want to stay off the road and you want to stay alive, there's certain things you should be doing. You got to drive defensively, but you got to make sure there's air in your tires. 
got to make sure your brakes are working properly. Got to make sure your clutch is engaging properly. If you don't take care of the basic stuff, the bike's going to fail me when I need it not to fail me. And the same thing with guards. So it's in our interest. You know, companies pay hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars a year for security. And I would say in my experience, I would say more than half are paying money and not getting value for the yeah. money. And it's not because the guard is a problem. It's because the company didn't structure the contracts right or not supporting the program properly. You're better off to have no security and pay the occasional insurance claim than have security that's ineffective. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. And you just uh, starting to remind me of all kinds of horror stories that we dealt with in the past where, you know, we were looking at ourselves. We were presuming that, that uh, you know, within our four borders, everything was great. Um, you know, I, an, an example comes to mind with uh, the uh, leasing guys in particular, who when you have a problem tenant and you go and check that space and there's only a desk there and nothing else, but hey, they're paying the rent, so what's the problem, right? And meanwhile, they could be a front for anything. Um, who knows what kind of money they're they're laundering or what they're doing? That goes on everywhere, and and people think that it's just a foreign foreign nation issue. It goes on here in Toronto, and our guys are in the middle of that. They need to be aware that those those um, risks exist within the facility and be able to acknowledge it and identify it and then respond to it. Another great example, and I don't need to get into the, the company that it happened to, but there was a tenant moving in, and I think you may recall this story, uh, Mr. Clement, where the guards uh, observed a, a, a heavy-duty safety moved into the, pro into the tenant space and had cutouts of weapons. <laughs> and that all had gone under their noses, and they wouldn't have even been aware of that had it not been for a sharp guard who picked up on that, because the leasing guys had already done, signed the contract. They, they obviously didn't done their background check on what they were going to be moving into that space, or maybe the client completely ignored it. But a, a quick-thinking and observant guard was able to pick that up and subsequently stop that type of uh, you know weapons basically being moved into tennis space. You know, I'm sure some sociologist or criminologist has done a, a research or a dissertation or thesis on what's happening. As an amateur, I got a sociology degree, which means I know a lot about nothing. But it just seems that, you know, every so often there's a cycle where uh, societal pressures are changing. It's it, it, There's uh, times of change. It's not just with, you know, security guards, if you will. Just look at violence. Look at people's distrust of government. Look at all the things that are happening. So, there's you know, this is a uh, perhaps a renaissance of the way we live in big cities. But we have to consider the violence. Like, I remember there was one guy, a young guy, uh, that I saw the... Uh, interview tape from the police that was involved in the shooting. And when asked, why did you shoot the guy? The answer was, he disrespected me. Like, what the hell does that mean? You, you know, but the point is someone was dead as a result. Yeah. It's just a complete lack of anchor management skills and just life skills. We had a client uh, recently that we were working with and a lot of the challenges they had were from clients that just don't have the life skills to do simple things. That Tim Hortons bagel thing is another example. You know, uh, I, I talked about it earlier. So I think that uh, we're in for a period of change, of challenge, especially when there's a lack of uh, respect for any type of authority, be it security guards, be it teachers, be it police, be it government. You, you know, people just, something is happening. I don't know what. We're so polarized. 
our way is the only way to do it. And the poor uh, uh, security guard or the company that has to keep a safe and secure environment has to figure out how they navigate these waters. And I think you start off with good quality people, train them, equip them, support them, and let them, and then stand back and let them do their job. Because uh, unless you do that, this will continue. And the uh, cycle of destruct destruction, uh, both real and perceived, will continue. You know, people scared to go to your shopping center or to your building because they're worried they're going to get mugged, okay, or going to be assaulted or or they'll be the subject of some sort of hate or racially motivated crime. That's not good for business. You know, and there's a lot of things that business owners have to do to make sure that they have a welcoming environment. It's not just security guards, but that's part of it. And that's well, what we talked about today. Yeah, and and it's and it's a big part, I would say, because they're the first point of contact, first of all. And, and secondly, they're your response capacity. The property manager is not going to do the response. You're not going to let the, you know, the tenant go out there and do the response if it's, it's uh, in common space. It's going to be your security guard that needs to do it. So... You know, as you you summarized so well, uh, you know, a few seconds ago, is is making sure that they've got the training, the equipment, and the knowledge to do their job. Problem is, I think you know we've talked about as well. That costs money. You ain't gonna find a guy or a girl who can operate at that level for uh, you know the fifteen, sixteen dollars an hour that most guards are getting today. Um, and clients, unfortunately, a lot of them still insist on that's the wage they're gonna pay. And if that's their perception of security we're you know we're losing already we, you know we're losing a fight we're fighting a losing battle you're entirely right there's going to be no change until security is seen as not a commodity like buying toilet paper but rather an essential like hiring a a plumber an electrician some professional that brings a service when you pay a man 15 or 16 or 17 dollars an hour what you're saying is what you're doing is not that important yeah. and i would suggest that if the toilet is blocked who really cares i mean let me take that back. I guess we care. But so what at the end of the day? If people are getting killed or assaulted in your building or in your business, that could be devastating. Yeah. I think we have to, first of all, I think the industry has to raise the bar. I think we have to be professionals and we have to ensure that we deliver a professional product. But I think the client has to be prepared to pay for it or accept yeah. the consequence. And that's the reality. I can't tell you, and I'm sure you as well, how many times people come up to me, clients come up to me, and they say, I want the best security in the world. I want just like such and such as program, but I don't want to pay more than $16 an hour. Newsflash, you're not going to get it. I want a Ferrari. I want an Audi, but I don't want to pay more than I would pay for a Honda Civic. You know, wants and needs versus what you're going to get are two different things, and I think that's a big part of it. Until we get bloodied enough and bruised enough and until businesses, you know, I hope we don't have to have many more horrible incidents like Buffalo or like yeah. this, the swarmings in retail malls or just the hate crimes. It's up 200 percent in Toronto before we realize we've got to be serious about what we do to keep our businesses and our people and our customers safe. Yeah, the reckoning's coming. <laughs> the signs are there. Uh, we just choosing to ignore them. Uh, another, you just reminded me of uh, poor Mitch Marner, our, our Leaf uh, hockey player there, right? Like we started with uh, drive-offs of, of, of your vehicles being warmed up in the winter in your driveway. You know, you've left your keys in there and they take them. That's one thing. Now they're pulling you out of your car as you're stopped at the light. I mean, we're going this, down the road of Detroit and friggin' Harlem and all those hardcore cities that we've watched and heard about in the movies. It's here, ladies and gentlemen. It's it's in Toronto, and uh, the the world's changing. We got to change with it.
you know, and, and this guy is an athlete in the prime of his life. It's not just a little old man or little old lady. I mean, yeah. if they take him out and they're not scared, they're not scared of anyone. You know, um, uh, just full disclosure, both Luke and I are not, we don't sell, I don't sell security guard services. There's <laughs> nothing in it for me. You, yeah. you know, I'm a security, physical security consultant. We're risk management people type thing. I don't have guards. So I've got nothing in this. Like I'm not making any money out of this. What it is, though, is that my job is to identify how do we protect the assets of our clients, and this is one of the fundamental core things, quality security guards. Yeah, and I'm not going to add anything more to that. All I'll say is that, you know, I'm, I've always been uh, a strong proponent of, of guards, giving them the right support and tools to do their job. I've just seen it too often where they're just sort of left hung out to dry, and usually through no fault of their own. They don't have the training. They don't have the power, they don't have the uh, confidence, whatever it is that they're missing. Usually they're undermined by, by the property management client who, who hires them because the tenant is always right. And that's just not right. It's not fair. Um, so they're already fighting with a, at a disadvantage. So let's not make their job any harder and more dangerous by not giving them the tools and the training to do what job, what, what they're there to do. And that's protect you at the end of the day and your assets. Um, give them the, the, the required training, get them the knowledge that they need, and give them the equipment, most importantly, because that's going to save their freaking life, literally. Yeah, listen, the world's not coming to an end, okay? It's not time to go into a bomb shelter. Still enjoy life, still go to work, still go out in the street. Everything, you know, life goes on. It's just that we're in a period of change. And just like we're going from gas-powered cars, we went from gas-powered cars and polluted to catalytic converters uh, to cars which were energy efficient. Now we're going to electric cars. It's a continuum of change. And uh, all we're saying is your security program strategy has to follow suit with that continuum because what worked last year or 10 years ago doesn't work anymore. And quite honestly, if in 10 years from now, if you're trying to find a gas station to fill up your uh, uh, car, uh, internal combustion car, it's going to get harder and harder. It's part of the change. You either embrace the change and change with it, or you sit back like a dinosaur and we know what happened to them. <laughs> And at two dollars and ten cents per liter, as it is today, you better change because it's too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, yeah. I'm gonna end it there. Just uh, you know, for me, I encapsulated one 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 sentence. That's basically protect those who are there to protect you. Give them the tools to do it. Um, and that's it, folks. Hopefully, you enjoyed the uh, conversation today. Uh, keep your eyes open. Don't uh, bury your head in the sand and pretend that everything's great and uh, nothing's changing because it is. Um, and uh, if you need some help, again, reach out to Brian Clayman and Associates. They're there to help and give you the right direction to, uh, to make sure that you're protected and the people who work for you are also protected, right? I got nothing to add. I think it was a good session. I just think, again, I just want to say that we're not saying the world's coming to an end. We're just saying, you know, as, as any business person, be it a security person, a bank or whatever, you've just got to keep your eye on the horizon and you've got to adjust to the changes. And all we're saying in today's uh, podcast is, it's time to adjust and i think we've got to do more adjustment than maybe other industries because we've been static in security for so long that the the initial adjustment may be a bit steep but once we get caught up to where we need to be we're going to level off it's going to be an easier ride yeah a, pro a truly professional uh industry that's where i'd like us to be when i retire from this uh, from this job <laughs> yeah when you retire i'll probably be five years dead and gone but yeah me too <laughs> leave me your bike i'll leave you my bike <laughs> all right well that's it for today folks hope you enjoyed it we'll talk to you again in two weeks bye
that concludes this podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and will join us in a couple of weeks for our latest episode. Please remember to like and follow us on our sponsor's webpage, brianclayman.com, where you can leave us your comments and suggest topics you'd like to hear about in future episodes. Until next time, thanks for listening and don't forget to protect your assets. Oh, my God.